word of God from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, St. Paul says, Do not be deceived. The sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is the word of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. All of you gathered here this morning on this, uh, hopefully that kind of cools things down a little bit with the thunderstorm moving through. Um, But whether you're here or wherever you might be, may the knowledge that Jesus, as he said to the woman who said, neither do I condemn you. May that knowledge that he says the same thing to you and me, no matter what our sins may be, may that give you peace and hope and strength for the living of each day. The scene was colonial Boston outside the jail. And there was a group of people who were straining to see the prisoner as the constable led them from the jailhouse. There was a woman carrying an infant. And as the people watched, the constable led her down the street to the town square where she ascended a scaffold. And there she was to stand for three or four hours so that everyone could see her and everyone could know what her crime, indeed her sin, was. Oh, the rumors had been flying. It was known. And there was gossip amongst those who were there. In fact, some were even crying out of how she should be condemned. And some were even referring to the account of of Jesus and how the woman who was caught in adultery should have been stoned to death. But there she was. She had to stand there for that time frame. But she would also then have to be viewed from that point on for the rest of her days with a scarlet letter embroidered on her clothing. And that scarlet letter was the letter A. Because that child that she carried had been born as a result of adultery. In case you're not familiar with it, that is from Nathaniel Hawthorne's book, The Scarlet Letter. And his book was written in 1850. As you hear that about this public shaming and even wearing something that would remind everybody of a person's sin, what do you think of that? How does that grab you? Is there a part of you that says, you know what? We should get back to that. That's the problem with our society. We have lost that concept of shame and disgrace. And now everything seems to go and nobody cares. Or maybe some are saying, wow, I'm so glad I didn't live back in those dark ages. 
I mean, shaming somebody like that? I mean, don't they know how damaging that could be to somebody's psyche and to their emotional well-being? I'm so glad that we are of much more of a sophisticated nature where we don't get caught up with that kind of stuff, of, of shaming somebody just because they made a mistake. Wherever you might feel about that concept of public shaming, I think there's probably some truth to both of those perspectives. Although I would point out, it's interesting to me that as much as our society in general today would say that's awful to shame somebody like that for something that they did wrong, it seems to me that we've entered for some time now a new type of shaming that comes along with, I don't know, things like perhaps not recycling everything that we're supposed to. Or maybe using plastic straws. Or maybe not practicing the social distancing and mask wearing as we are commanded to do. It seems like there is a social stigma that now comes along with that and our society seems to be okay with it. At least that's one of the ways that society sends a message of what's right and what's wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there is obviously a place for recycling and, and using those things that may be environmentally friendly instead of harmful. And certainly in this day of COVID-19, to practice what the medical experts tell us will help is certainly something that we should do. But isn't it interesting that in general, our society is much more interested in shaming somebody for violating the laws and decrees of men than it is for violating the laws and decrees of Almighty God. Yes, the laws and decrees of men have impact on our physical well-being and our world. But the laws and decrees of God have spiritual and eternal impact. Which is more important? As we said, part of this woman's punishment, by the way, the character in the book is named Hester Prynne. Hester and um, she would live with that scarlet letter and people would treat her, gossip her about her, um, mistreat her. Kids would follow along behind her, yelling at her, screaming at her. Her child, as her child grew, would not find much in the way of friends or companionship because of the mark of shame that was upon her beginnings. Now, it seems that human nature does relish when somebody else makes a mistake. It seems like human nature doesn't mind one bit if somebody else gets called out for something that is wrong. Because it seems then at least we can say, well, at least I haven't done that. And so I must be better off than that person. But our reading from 1 Corinthians 6 really tries to change that. St. Paul, as we said, 
mentions the fact that sin is sin. And as damaging and sinful as adultery is, that is not the only sin that keeps one from entering the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to share with you any number of letters, scarlet letters, if you will, that somewhat are based on Paul's list in 1 Corinthians 6 and somewhat derived from it. And perhaps you can evaluate whether or not that scarlet letter should mark you. So first of all, he uses a very broad category, the letter U, because he says the unrighteous will not enter the kingdom of God. Well, the word unrighteous is pretty vague and, and, um, and broad, and we often hear it used in Scripture to, to denote the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous believers and unbelievers. Well, certainly somebody who does not believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior is not going to enter the kingdom of God. But Paul gets more specific than that. He says, don't be deceived, the sexually immoral, I guess that's two letters, if you are guilty of sexual immorality, not just adultery, but of any violation of the sixth commandment, you are not entering heaven. What does sexual immorality include besides adultery? Well, St. Paul points out and he says specifically, those who practice homosexuality will not enter the kingdom of God. But as Luther points out in his explanation of the sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. And Luther says, what does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we may lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and think. And husbands and wives love and honor each other. But there's something called pornography that seems to have a huge place, not just in our society, and not just in the church, but often in the very hearts and minds of God's people. Oh, it's very seductive. It's powerful. It can be addictive. In fact, it is often one of the things that may ultimately break a marriage. Does this scarlet letter fit you, you will not enter the kingdom of God. But Paul does not only address sexual immorality. He also talks about other things. He says thieves will not enter the kingdom of God. Now I think of a thief as being a, a special class of people who are professional thieves, but the definition of being a thief is taking something that's not yours. Hmm. Such will not enter the kingdom of God. 
He says, drunkards will not enter the kingdom of God. Now, again, maybe that brings to mind those who deal with very powerful behavioral and psychological issues. But it also condemns any drunkenness, or gluttony for that matter, of indulging too much in something. Such will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Revilers, he says. Now, what in the world is a reviler? Well, if you look up the word, it, it says someone who speaks harshly or abusively. I wonder how many of us as parents haven't been guilty of reviling when our children have pushed us to that limit. Or in a conversation about, I don't know, politics or religion, or sex? How many of us haven't spoken harshly or abusively to those that we disagree with? Paul says that swindlers will not enter the kingdom of heaven, and yes, I know that this is not an S. It's a C, which simply stands for cheater. Oh yes, it might involve something like cheating in school, which is wrong. But it also might involve any number of inappropriate practices in business, taxes, or in any way defrauding the government. Such will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Does that scarlet letter fit? How about this one? Paul says that the greedy will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Those who want more than what they have. Those who are not content with the blessings that God has given. Getting any closer? Finding one or many that fit? He uses a very general category when he says, idolaters will not inherit the kingdom of God. An idolater, what is that? Somebody who worships an idol. And although that brings to mind perhaps um, some tribes of people in the jungle that worship stone or wooden images or the sun or trees, yet as Luther says in his explanation to the first commandment, you shall have no other gods, what does this mean? We shall fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And any time that we don't, that is idolatry. Have you always, at all times, fear, loved, and trusted in God above everything else? If not, you are an idolater. And you are not entering into the kingdom of God. If we want to categorize everything that we've talked about, and by the way, there are so many more, we could certainly recognize that the scarlet letter S is indeed, or should be emblazoned on our clothes. Even Elsa, as we mentioned in our liturgy of baptism, because of the fact that she is human. She too has inherited what we refer to as original sin. 
Oh, she hasn't demonstrated that, I'm sure. Well, maybe she has, huh, Mom and Dad? But it won't take long. Her parents are most likely not going to need to teach her how to say no, but how to say yes. They're not going to need to teach her how to keep things for herself and be selfish, but how to share and be kind. You see, the truth is, we all have a scarlet letter that is branded upon us. But what difference does that make? If we had something like that, would that help? Would it give us a greater sense of shame? Would it change our behavior? Or would it lead us to despair and be ostracized like our character in the novel? Or would it become so second place because everybody's the same, we would lose sight of it altogether? I don't know. But lest we think that the concept of having a physical mark attached to us is beyond God's comprehension, I would like to share with you this passage from Numbers chapter 15. In the Old Testament, it says this, beginning with verse 37, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by chasing after the lusts of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember to obey all my commands and will be consecrated to your God. Well, there you go. A physical reminder attached to the clothing that God commanded his Old Testament people to wear. Tassels. And attached by a cord of, not scarlet, but blue. What's up with that? I'm not sure. Maybe blue dye was readily available. Maybe it had more symbolic uh, imagery. But consider this for a minute. If you were to wear a tassel with a cord of blue and see it every day, and God says to remind you of how you're supposed to live all of your commands that he has given, that would be a great thing, wouldn't it? We'd be mindful of it. Maybe it would check and affect our behavior. But at the same time, if you're like me, every time I would look at that tassel, I would also be reminded of every time that I failed to follow God's commandments, the things that I had done and the things that I had failed to do, which are part of his law, like loving my neighbor just as myself. And so in that sense, a blue tassel would serve no more difference than a scarlet S on my clothes. But consider this, there is a word in the end of that reading, a word consecrated. The word consecrated means to be set apart. And God's Old Testament people were indeed consecrated. They were his chosen people. And by means of seeing those tassels and that blue cord, as much as they were going to be reminded of God's commands 
and their failure to keep them, I think even more than that, they were going to be reminded of the fact that they had been consecrated to God by his grace, by his choosing. Elsa, I'm so glad you are here this morning because we can talk about you yet again. Now, I don't know about you, but when you think of or see the word blue, or the color, I should say, I think of the sky, maybe not today, but, but then I also think of the beautiful blue waters that this state has so many in abundance, maybe where you wish you were right now, if it were nice, cool, refreshing blue water. How about the blue, clear water of baptism? For you see, God consecrates his people in the New Testament age by the very thing that we did, by setting us apart, by putting his name on us. And I would say to you that perhaps maybe the most fitting letter that we could attach to ourselves is a blue letter S, no longer standing for sin, although that certainly comes to mind, but rather what happens in baptism, that you are sanctified. You are set apart so that you can live lives that demonstrate that you are indeed saints of God, clothed in his righteousness. For you see, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to make you a saint. When he knelt down and wrote on the ground when that woman who was caught in adultery stood before him under the threat of being condemned to death, Jesus says, where are they, woman? Is no one here? No one, sir. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.